Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Republicans and conservatives are, you know, going crazy on Twitter, sending pictures, worked up. sending video of her interview with Lester Holtz, you know, saying, I'm not, you know, I've not been to Europe either. Oh, I've had so many students who've come to my classrooms in colleges angry that they did not learn about systemic racism and even about slavery uh, during their K through 12 years. How do you define racism? Sure. So racism, I would define it um, as a collection uh, of racist policies that lead to racial inequity that are substantiated by racist ideas. Pink and black represent transgender people and black and brown represent the queer and trans people of color. Yay! Happy uh, Pride Month, Alice. Happy Pride Month again. We're still here. So if the rainbow flag is for gay people, what flag is for straight people? Oh, we're not allowed to have a flag. Why? But why not? Straight people also make love and get married, right? We don't get a flag. We have all the flags. Oh, I see. Like, we have all the other months. I see. Did you realize that yoga was white supremacist as well? You know, it's funny. I did I'm, not. I'm wondering at this point, at this point, how much of this is just meant to be just a game of patty cake between, <laughs> really, between wacko progressive wokesters who just if you look at all these tiktoks where one person lectures another person then somebody captures that video and re-lectures that person then somebody Mm -hmm. else captures that video and they're just piling on and they're lecturing each other you know throwing down in in this in this like woke thunderdome here (laughs) and it's this with the know-it-all attitude and saying well as a matter of fact this means this and this this is centering me and it means that this is and you're adjacent and because they're gatekeeping and because that so actually i mean these are this this these are just nerds role-playing really i mean that's what it is Mm -hmm. that doesn't there's nothing i i assume that they actually i assume that they actually no, most of them know that they're playing a fantasy land game. 
Uh, I mean, I think that there is an extent to which you can convince yourself that this stuff is true. Your Himalayan salt lights aren't on. Oh, sorry. Just noticed. Just noticed. Thank you. Um, but I think that people convince themselves that it's real and that it's true. I think that they do believe it, even though it is absolutely, you know, it. You can do this with literally anything. But, and I understand that there are there's TikTok is the amateur way, not just mm-hmm. amateur way because also like AOC's on it, etc. But it's the amateur way of learning to speak in pure wokeism. Right. And then if if you get good enough, depending on your physical characteristics then you can take it on the road and you can be considered thoughtful. And an influencer. An influencer, exactly, like Ibram Kendi. Mm-hmm. If you're somebody, if you can... Right. You, if you've learned to make the grift make sense. Mm-hmm. So Ibram Kendi, he, is he the guy who was at BU who got all the money? Or is that a different guy? He's the a- anti-racist guy. Yeah, let me look. Ibram X Kendi, and his him. name is like, yeah. like Bill Leonard in growing up so he is the anti-racist guy yeah born ibram henry rogers okay so yeah he now is has the position of director for the center uh for anti-racist research at bu what a gig what a great gig so he this is just we're playing a game here with this guy and he was in the intro you heard him on cbs Where he's saying, where he just makes stuff up, but his whole construct is made up. It's just, it's just flim flam. Well, right. And we saw this, I referenced this on yesterday's show. Mm -hmm. This was from a little while ago, maybe a couple weeks ago, but he was asked to actually define racism. And for a person who his entire career is based on racism, his definition seems to be somewhat lacking to me. Yes. You talked about the importance of defining racism. But I, but I, unless I missed it, which is possible, I don't. I didn't hear your personal definition. Is there, is there one that you would offer us? Like, how do you define racism? Sure. So racism, I would define it um, as a collection uh, of racist policies. Now you can't do that. Yeah, usually not. You can't because we're trying to define a term. After that term is defined, you can use it any way you'd like to. Right, but in the definition for the word, typically you can't use another form of the word itself because that doesn't actually tell anybody anything. What's racism? Well, racism is racist stuff. Oh. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So I still don't know what it's supposed to mean. Tom is a fat guy with a podcast who mows the lawn. Not Tom is a Tomish type of person. Right. That lead to racial inequity. Wait a second. That are substantiated by racist ideas. But the secret ingredient is racism. And he used it twice in the explanation of the ingredient. Mm-hmm. What's racism? Well, it's two parts racism. <laughs> well, that doesn't help us. Right. You can't be him and not have a definition. This is the entire stock and trade. This is like talking to a pilot about gravity. Well, and apparently... And saying, well, I mean, gravity is uh, the forces of gravity around the airplane it's a gravitational that is made to resist force. the gravity. No, you need to know. That's really important in the, in the plane. Right. And it seems like from the clip, I did not watch the whole thing, uh, but from the question, it sounds like he had just been talking about the importance of defining racism. 
Right. So it would probably be good if he could define racism. So let's start from the beginning here again. Give him another shot, and then we'll let him I go. like that the questioner is also kind of apologetic. Unless I missed it, which probably I did, because... Right. Because I'm actually, sure I probably what, missed it, but it, can you just say it again for right, me, because I'm dumb? That's what it says on the step and repeat and all the signage around here is defining racism. So I figured that maybe I must have been in the bathroom or something, and you, you, you front-loaded that maybe while I wasn't here, hadn't found my seat yet. You talked about the importance of defining racism... But I, but I, unless I missed it, which is possible, I don't. I didn't hear your personal definition. Is there, is there one that you would offer us? Like, how do you define racism? Sure. So racism, I would define it um, as a collection uh, of racist policies that lead to racial inequity that are substantiated by racist ideas. So now, to their credit, the crowd is dumbstruck. <laughs> And you can't really hear it, but somebody does kind of ask him, nudge him to do a little better than not defining it, but using it in a sentence. <laughs> sure. A, a collection uh, of racist policies that lead to racial inequity that are substantiated by racist ideas. So what he did is just repeat what he just said. Mm-hmm. Just a little slower. <laughs> but that the problem wasn't that he was saying it too fast. Mm-mm. The problem was that he was saying bat bleep crazy stuff. Right. And most people, I think, know that when you define something, you're supposed to use different new words to define it. Yes. It has to be made up of parts of something else. This mm-hmm. is the whole thing, of course. The whole trick behind white supremacy and racism, etc., mm-hmm. is that the reason why they're used so much is because without using these terms, you can't define what you mean. Right. And that's why they don't debate well. These people, these uh, hucksters, don't, don't debate well. Because they'll use white supremacy without ever defining what it means. Because mm-hmm. they can't. Because if they do, then it leaves it exposed to a, a, a um, counter. Right. So I actually have a good... It's. Interesting you brought up white supremacy is another one of Let's these Let's let terms. him finish first. Let me okay. finish it, and then we'll jump right to you. And anti-racism. Is no, you can't move to anti-racism. We haven't decided what racism is. It's pretty simple using the same terms. Anti-racism is a collection of anti-racist policies leading to racial, anybody want to take a guess? Equity that are substantiated by anti-racist ideas. So that's his class. Talking in circles. Anyone want to take a guess? Yeah, never getting... Come on, students. Come on, students. Never getting anywhere. But he speaks clearly and has a, a presence about the way he speaks. You feel like you're learning something. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing to it. He there's, does have a nice voice and a nice presence. He does. Very, yes, very reassuring sounding. Yes, and that's perfect. So you you feel good. Right. Yes. But he can never define racism. Like And like I said, like racism, white supremacy. That's why they're go-to words. It's just racist. But how is it racist? Well, because it's racist. Mm-hmm. It's like how they know Trump is racist. Yes. Oh, do you really need to ask? Can't you just tell he's racist? Yes. And they don't have to. You don't have to go any further with the, the debate or the discussion. Right, because they already explained to you that he's racist. So right. if you have more questions about that, then you're probably racist too. But you're definitely the problem. Right, and if you're not racist, you're not seeing it. You're simply blinded by your. White supremacy. Well, Racism. Privilege. Right. All those things. Which all, these are all uh, utensils in the drawer of white supremacy. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So white supremacy. Interesting. There was a study that was published in the Journal of American Psychoanalytic Association. Mm -hmm. So this is like a, a scientific journal about psychoanalysis. The abstract of the study is as follows. It's called On Having Whiteness. Whiteness is a condition one first acquires and then that one has. A malignant, parasitic-like condition to which white people have a particular susceptibility. Notice they're not exclusive. Not it, Whiteness is, is, is not a disease, apparently. This? Okay, that's good. They're uh, just other psychos with different degrees just, <laughs> right this. so but you'll notice it's not exclu- whiteness isn't exclusive to white people it's a mental condition that can it's white people are s- uh, extra susceptible to having whiteness okay but, but other people can have it it's a contagion right okay. so like uh tim scott oh i see he has a mild case of whiteness i would so say are, probably okay. so okay so are they gonna get to what whiteness mm-hmm. is? uh the condition is foundational Generating char- Not making it easier. <laughs> Generating characteristic ways of being in one's body, in one's mind, and in one's world. Parasitic whiteness renders its host's appetites voracious. We're already, with the use of language that ever expands the possibilities of where we're going here, mm-hmm. it already is a huge, confusing labyrinth. And it's just getting bigger. Exponentially. This is apparently instead of every close. This reminds me of the you know the last few years of the show Lost. Mm -hmm. There was no conclusion. There were simply more possibilities opened up. Well, there were UFOs. Well, it's a paramilitary organization lives in the island. But you know they couldn't tie it off because nobody could figure it out. So the show just got more absurd, which is not (laughs) exclusive to Lost. But anyway, so that's Uh, what's going on. Can you read what you said again? And I'm going to try to work through it. (laughs) Mm Hmm. Whiteness is? Whiteness is a condition. Okay, condition. That I know. <laughs> okay. That one first acquires and okay. then that one has. Okay. A malignant, parasitic-like well, condition. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you acquire this condition. Yep. And then it's in your possession. Yes. Okay. It's a malignant, parasitic-like condition to which white people have a particular susceptibility. Parasitic. How is it parasitic? And malignant as in deadly? Um, like a malignant tumor. Well, malignant tumor means it like spreads throughout your body versus a benign tumor, which okay. like just stays in one spot. Okay. Uh, the condition is foundational, generating characteristic ways of being in one's body, in one's mind, and in one's world. Parasitic whiteness renders its host's appetites voracious, insatiable, and perverse. These deformed appetites particularly target non-white peoples. Once established, oh, I see. I these see. appetites are nearly impossible to eliminate. Effective treatment consists of a combination of psychic and social historical interventions. Such interventions can reasonably aim only to reshape whiteness's infiltrated appetites, to reduce their intensity, redistribute their aims, and occasionally turn those aims toward the work of reparation. When remembered and represented, the ravages wreaked by the chronic condition can function either as a warning, never again, or as temptation, great again. I think that's a reference to Donald Trump's campaign slogan. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Uh, memorialization alone, therefore, is no guarantee against regression. There is not yet a permanent cure. 
Okay, so <clears throat> because this doesn't do anything but become more abstract the deeper you get, mm-hmm. and I'm going to need to know how does this manifest itself because it cannot be defined by this um, by this gaggle of idiotic shrinks, and it shrinks in psychologists, let's admit, are psychos anyway, but that's fine. Because they can't seem to define it without taking us through this uh, this uh, extremely complicated uh, world of uh, all sorts of different uh, imagery and all sorts of um, different uh, platforms. Yeah, you've like entered this wormhole of distortion. Yes, yes, exactly. Fundamental, malignant. Okay, so how does that all that stuff manifest itself? What is? Well, I guess you have to read the whole paper because that's just the abstract. So that just is. So that that is good actually because that tells you the way. Mm-hmm. That tells you. You know what that is? That tells you why these idiots on TikTok feel so self assured about navigating these waters, even though it's all fake. It's all just gobbledygook. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to it, of course, <laughs> um, because you know nobody knows if the other person's right because nobody knows what they're talking about. But if you can use some of the elements given to you right there, mm-hmm. use some of the verbiage allowed in this game, and we've just heard some of it there, and you can articulate some of it in a way that, though it doesn't say one plus one equals two, but uses all the game pieces to create some kind of uh, symmetry and some kind of cause and effect, mm-hmm. then you can feel really good about yourself. And once you can do that, then you can go find somebody else who's trying to do something similar with all the tools that that, that the shrinks give you and tell them how much theirs sucks. But you're, the way you put together this puzzle of pieces that don't actually fit together in any possible way, yours is good. And you can feel smart about that because you're also, you're also, um, you're talking in a world of uh, wor- clever, artful wordplay. You know, mm-hmm. kind of like um, uh, Lewis Carroll. Right. You know, there's clever wor- wordplay that either means you're weird or maybe you're a genius, but you're, something's happening there. You know that the dumbasses, the jocks, aren't doing it. Mm-hmm. So at least you're in the, the cool, com- the uh, cool humanity circle, right. where there is some intellectual, um, you know, thought processing going on. Mm-hmm. So you're truly one of the one of the betters. Right, yeah. And if you can talk this language, you're mm-hmm. definitely really smart because all those people don't right. get it. So maybe that's the big motivation. While and while you're doing that, you're obviously it's it's not obviously not you um, preening mm-hmm. because it's for social justice. All of right. these things. It's good versus evil. Right. You're being a really good person. You could spend your time, you know, doing actual formulations mathematic formulations or you know mm-hmm. even recitations of um, of the humanities and arts etc yeah if you wanted to but that's not a noble exercise right that's an indulgent exercise mm-hmm. in quotes when of course this is the most indulgent exercise yeah it's like the most navel gazing yes insane person's project that could exist in the world but, you know, that's what we get. We've now defined racism. We've defined whiteness. We're all And because go. only these devotees, the, the 
only the devout really have possession of all the terms. Mm -hmm. That's why you have things like we had yesterday with um, Mara Gay talking about whiteness and how worrisome it was, etc. And Joe Scarborough and Mika wanting no problem part of it because mm -hmm. they have no idea what she's talking about. <laughs> so they don't know how to argue it and they don't want a problem well, with it. Well, there's a big push on now. The New York Times has put out a press release and all the lefties are now repeating it all over the internet that she's being willfully misinterpreted. Mara Gay, that we played yesterday, that what she meant was that the Trump people are politicizing the American flag, which is scary because they're taking something that's not scary, that's neutral, and they're making it like Trumpy and scary. So they're like using it as their political signal and that's scary to her. Uh, whereas if you listen to what she actually said, like we've all seen the video mm -hmm. and heard the audio now. So we yes. know what she actually said. She, she saw said, the explicative. She saw explicatives about Joe Biden. Right. And she saw lots of American flags, which she is was, really scary. She yielded the floor and very clearly said literal things that she was feeling or saying. Right. They did not argue with her. Mm -hmm. They did not cross-examine her. They did not ask it because they were such scared wusses. Mm -hmm. uh, Joe and Mika stood aside and gave her her two minutes right. to flim-flam, to say this stuff, and to to really just say really, really just gross and bigoted things. Right. I mean, and... Then there's a bunch of people on Twitter being like, I know exactly what she means. When you see some pickup truck flying a huge American flag, you know exactly what they're trying to say. Like, who would fly a big American flag like that unless they're trying to send that message? Like, I think that reveals a lot more about you and how you view the American flag, that you think it's a political statement when people are doing it, because most people think that patriotism is pretty neutral. Well, I mean, it depends on what part of the country you're in. You know, in Manhattan, no, they're going to assume that there's that's bad because the American flag's been in all the bad places. It's been in World War Two when we bombed the Japanese. It's been in you know World War One when we tore across Europe uh, in the last second. It's been at the Revolutionary War, uh, you know, where we do cast off the British to preserve slavery, and uh, you know. It's obviously the Vietnam War and the Korean War, and that's an Asian, I don't, whatever. But, um, but yes, so a lot of them do consider the symbol very uh, a negative symbol. But the, the the thing is, sorry, I'm being offered spray candy right now, oh, yeah. so I'm a little distracted. Yeah. Wow, can you go to, to Sally? Um, but so it's all just BS. Let me play this piece of Ibram Kendi here on CBS from today, I think, or yesterday, um, and just more flim-flam stuff. I mean, this is all just, this is all make-believe. There's a push in schools across the country from Republicans in particular to emphasize the more... There's a push from Republicans. Mm -hmm. Patriotic in their view elements of our history. There's a push to emphasize the more patriotic stuff. Mm -hmm. Not a push back against the we're all slave owners with a, with a horrible legacy and this is a country built on evil. Right. This, yeah. There, there was no push to get us to be having the 1619 Project be part of the curriculum now. That just happened. The Republicans are pushing, right? Mm-hmm. 
as opposed to some of the darker chapters, and in particular, not teaching the idea of systemic racism. As a college professor yourself, as someone in the education business, what's your response to that? I think I, I am sympathetic to teachers and educators everywhere. Question first is it, 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 way too um, anemic question. Mm-hmm. Of course, they're going to teach... Um, Systemic racism. Yeah, because they'll teach te- about Jim Crow. Of and, uh, and Although, it's interesting, for people that want us to teach systemic racism, there's this whole drama right now because lefties don't want to teach anybody about the Dred Scott decision. Why? Because it's traumatic for black students to hear the Dred Scott decision. How so? Because it dehumanizes black people in the decision. It's like if they were to read the three-fifths clause of the Constitution or something. So somebody here doesn't want to teach about systemic racism, but it's not the Republicans. Right. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're able to be harmed Mm -hmm. by by teaching history. Yep. This is in law schools, by the way, not elementary schools. A history that we're told is vile Mm -hmm. then how do we learn to not repeat our history if we're not told about how bad it is right who was it yesterday somebody used Emmett Till yesterday who was who's that who said that um that was in the tiktok about how dangerous white people are because they can just call the police and get you killed at any time that's right that's right you can kill everybody yeah but listen to this this is from the new yorker um a decade later, dur- this is from the New Yorker, during the nationwide grappling with racial injustice that followed the murder of George Floyd, I saw a striking Twitter discussion amongst professors of constitutional law, a course that I also teach. They were debating whether much of the Supreme Court case of Dred Scott v. Sanford should be excised from constitutional law courses. In the case which Scott brought in federal court to assert his freedom from enslavement, the Supreme Court held in 1857 that Scott did not have the privilege to bring the suit because as a black person, he could not be a citizen within the meaning of the Constitution. Matthew Steinlin, a law professor at the University of Buffalo, launched the Twitter thread in advocating for editing the case down to a minimalistic page or so to omit text that is so gratuitously insulting and demeaning. Okay, so he was free and got captured, right? Mm-hmm. And got- he sued in order for his freedom, essentially. Right. And they said, essentially, he's not a real human being. So he doesn't have standing because right. he's not a person. Exactly. Right. right. Which is... Which is, here we go, <laughs> pure, uncut, actual racism. There you go. We found some racism. Yes. The Vermeer Podcast has located racism yes. in 1857. There we go. We We've found got something it. to start with. Yes. yes. Yes, true. Calling somebody less than human based on race. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely Geiger counter making a lot of noise. Pure racism. Yep. There you go. So, but now... For people in law school, in the constitutional law course, they don't want to expose the fragile law students to the scary Supreme Court decision that said black people couldn't be citizens from 170 years ago. (laughs) What, um... So, so I would say 
that 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 is actually trying to not teach about the history of white supremacy and racism in the United States. Yes, I would say so. And that's not right wingers so, advocating that. So this, so this is this the waters are brackish now. <laughs> what con- converging forces now? Who decides what then? The law students. I don't know. I You're don't not know. allowed to cite these 47 cases because they're harmful to us as lawyers. <laughs> excellent. That's going to be excellent. Well, and it's funny because we went from like, we have to take down the statues. Like we, of course, will still teach history. Of course we will. Right. But we don't need these monuments to white supremacy around all the time. Like, okay, fine. Like, well, now you're taking down Lincoln, which isn't exactly a monument to white supremacy. In fact, but okay. Like, even if you go there with them, now we can't read Dred Scott in law schools. And it should be read in law schools. This is an important case. Dred Scott should be an American hero. Kids should know his name. I mean, like, what the idea that you now wouldn't teach the Dred Scott decision because the language is too scary and hurtful is absolutely freaking insane. And, you know, I'm a big advocate that we should look at the ugly parts of our history, of which there are many, not just in the United States, but around the world. And we should look at them unflinchingly. And this this attitude is the opposite of that. So I don't know if somebody wanted to be interesting, they could ask uh, Eber Max Kenny what he thinks about that. Right. And I would I would think and assume, I mean, the 1619 Project is about how much we suck about the... Um, Motivations mm-hmm. for many of the things, historic events that we're taught about in school being racism at their core. The founding of the country was founded to um, extend the life of racism or uh, to to uh, preserve racism. That's right. according, among other things. Right. And by the way, there is some truth to that, depending on who you're talking to. Mm hmm. You know, there are many interests involved in creating our own union in this, in casting off the British. And by the mid 1800s, the British had um, had gotten rid of slavery. Although I colony- would argue that part of the reason they had gotten rid of slavery is because they no longer had uh, the same colonial interests that made slavery a really important economic tool for them. You know, well, no like doubt- if they were the Spanish or the Portuguese running, like you know what I'm saying, like. Haiti had slavery, so like that's if they were well. I, yeah, so if they I'm had about, a bunch I'm, of sugar plantations, talking about, I'm talking about the, do, the yeah. um, um, England. So right. I, I think that the, in in the colonies was, were later in British okay. colonies were a little bit later, but still, you're right. Of course, there were business interests involved in all this stuff. And like if they were running be, a bunch of sugar plantations, they would have still had slavery. Right? There were, were there were religious interests. Mm-hmm. There were all sorts of interests involved. There were foreign policy interests involved in all of this stuff, and all of it should be taught. That should be the point: is that it's not effing easy. Right. I mean, I think, I think, uh, and I mean, I'm not a social justice person, so maybe I'm off base, but. As I think about it, it seems to me that the reason why you don't want to teach Dred Scott to the fragile law students is that if you read that language that's from 1857, then it becomes harder to say that, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, that somebody, somebody's comment in a room at the New York Times is literal white supremacy because, you know, that, you know. 
Barry Weiss is a white supremacist or something because she said called somebody an immigrant who's like a second generation American or something. That is interesting. Like, so I think that if you actually teach how people thought and looked at black people in the 19th century United States, that it becomes harder than to call the society we have today a white supremacist systemically racist society that is brilliant uh young Alice that is brilliant you know so it's so really it's that history is the enemy of victim status right and because not, it's not just under a race it can be anything well right because everybody living today in the United States of America is one of the absolute 0.001 percent most privileged people ever to live and breathe on planet earth right right and like even and let's take race out of it, or mm-hmm. just experience-wise. Um, like, what's a what's a small thing? Right. So, for instance, experience-wise, um, the one of our kids broke a mirror that was belonged to my family. It was a hundred years old, maybe even older, whatever. whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, the, our kids. The Shadow Kids, if anybody of you need anything demoed, just have our kids come over and they'll destroy everything. They've destroyed everything that we've ever loved. So that's fine. But so they destroyed this mirror. Mm-hmm. Now, you, because you have a temper problem, lost your bleep and were very angry and swore and did all sorts of weird gestures towards the heavens. <laughs> I'm not even sure what, what you do when you get angry. And we're very angry. This is uh, but, and it's fair to slander. Say, but if it's fair to say that probably historically... A hundred years ago, that's not a big deal because three of the kids have, uh, you know, smallpox and, you know, four have already died and, you know, uh, the brother's family died in a fire and disease is likely to take you out if you manage to go reach 50 years of age, if you don't die in war from mustard gas and uh, or lack of, uh, of uh, penicillin or whatever else there is, you know, but shallow contemporary people like you will make it a reason to need uh you know immediate reparations like i'll have to make you a cocktail or something because this is been, um not accurate because what been, actually are you suggesting happened? there's some projection going on else? i think there's some projection but so anyway like so so it doesn't have to be right if somebody uses your boutique pronouns incorrectly it's not the same as uh, slavery. It's not, yes. A, a bad day in 2021 is different than a bad day in 1921, certainly 1821, and absolutely 1721. Oh, and I mean, you could go further back. Humans yes. have been on Earth for like 30,000 years. This yes. is, I mean, we're talking about subsistence, the threat of death lurking around every corner. This is not... Um, you. Yeah, your day is not going that badly. Correct. Correct. And so that's so so that is interesting, Alice. I like that theory. You should write a book on that. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it is. The more if you look at your history, yeah, of course, because that's where we're starting from year zero, right? That's why we're mm-hmm. getting rid of everything, because it starts now. So yes, the, the 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 victimhood, even though she and she uh the woman yesterday uh, invoked who did she invoke again? Uh, the young Emmett kid, who was, yes, who was tortured and killed. It, 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 the details of which are again, that's some real racism. Oh, I would say that, so. That is one. That's there you racism go. Racism, and 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 if you read the the account of what the butchers did, it is re- that is bad. Happening. And they got off. 
Right. So, yes. So that so, was real racism. Right. That existed. Right. It doesn't exist in that same form today. Or no. anything and remotely in the same ballpark as that. No. Young black men are dying. Mm-hmm. Disproportionately by murder, which is terrible. But it's a different story now. Right. And I think there which are... Which also isn't good and isn't acceptable and is unbelievable, and I think 100 years now we'll look back and say, really? 60 kids get shot in Chicago? 60 black kids? And you guys just went along your life as if, like, as if it mm-hmm. didn't matter? And it's true. We do. All of us. Me, Abraham X. Kennedy, you, you know? Yeah. And it's... Um, I think there are... I think it's accurate to say there are systemic factors in that. I think uh, the urban teachers unions mm-hmm. have a lot to answer for. In terms of opportunities for kids of color in America. Um, but I, you know, and, and obviously there are historical practices of redlining and all these things that have led to, you know, black kids and white kids being in separate neighborhoods. But until recently, we agreed that that was like not not a positive. Like mm-hmm. now the left is like back to separating people into racial and ethnic groups yes and like well, if white I mean, people well, move well, uh, into the neighborhood it's gentrifying and bad well just as bad as redlining is what we've done over the last year to these communities mm-hmm. you've destroyed businesses you've destroyed businesses where black people work where, where black people use as, as resources for goods and services um some black owned businesses right you've destroyed neighborhoods you've devalued the neighborhoods you've made the neighborhoods unsafe you've made these neighborhoods not business friendly anymore hell no I mean, you talk about, I was watching this thing, it's, it's a, it's a, I'm just learning about the uh, whole Tulsa thing, about that Tulsa, I forgot what it's called, the neighborhood there where it happened. Greenwood? Greenwood, yes. And how there's been this revival of black-owned mm-hmm. businesses, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, in Minneapolis, that's gone now, you know? I mean, right. I'm sure it's happening in places, but you've, George Floyd Square right. is black not Right, Black Lives Matter had a, right. essentially, mini Tulsas all over America this yes. summer. So- yes, and so Tulsa's lives have been affected here. Now, some people will say that that's indirectly because of uh, white people, but how far do you want to take this, okay? You know, this is, well, and it is, it is, you know. Well, and yeah, but they didn't, you know, uh, there was a... When what? When softball start? Uh, what, 5.30? Yeah. We're going to get there at 5.30. Um, you know, we, it, and like you say, this was essentially targeted at minority neighborhoods Mm -hmm. right like downtown newburyport did not get devastated by black lives matter protests correct so it didn't really like the whiter areas didn't get touched by this Mm -hmm. this affected people of color like i don't understand how you can look at it and see anything different than that happening you know this didn't if you're mad at me for you know Derek chauvin killing george floyd like, it didn't impact me. It wasn't the CVS by my house where I can't fill my right. prescription now. It wasn't, you know, my restaurant that I'm just trying to come back after the pandemic. Like, that's it, it's, it's so, like, just bizarre to me that the narrative is that these were, like, a great racial reckoning moment when, like, finally we saw... It's, it's insane. So let me get back to uh, Imbram X. Candy. So... <laughs> the conversation we just had was probably the one we should have had in Patreon. After today's show, we're going to do um, a, a uh, after party. 
for uh, those of you on Patreon. Thank you to those who have subscribed out there and on Locals, by the way. Very exciting. Yes. Thank Very you. Fun. So, Thank but, you. But this after party today will just be for Patreon, right? Patreon, Patreon subscribers, yep. Okay, okay. Back to Ibram Kendi. Who are committed to doing our jobs, and our job is to tell the truth. Uh, our job is to tell the good and the bad. Uh, our, our job is to tell the light and the darkness. And I think that's what students want. And I know I've had so many students who've come to my classrooms in colleges angry that they did not learn about systemic racism and even about slavery uh, during their K-12 through years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't learn about slavery in yeah. K-12. through That doesn't get covered in most school curriculums, I don't think. And then uh, Lincoln did, did announced the Emancipation Proclamation. Emancipating who? Oh, no, we don't know. <laughs> Nobody knows. It was nothing. It was weird. Because there's not... never been slavery here. Read on. So, <laughs> never been slavery here, so it's hard to tell why he would do that. I, we can't. We don't know. Hmm. I mean, however bad the education system is, I think slavery is taught. I think we're taught. Yeah, about that. actually, um, I was once uh, roommates with a girl who. Um, well, this is the one I like. I like her. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. You never yes. met her, but this was before I met her. I was roommates with this girl. Um, the people I had been roommates with moved out, so I had to find a roommate that I didn't know. And I met this girl, and she was literally the least educated person I've ever met. And she was a nice person in a lot of ways, but I was continually absolutely astounded by things she didn't know about. Like, once she asked us, um, like, me and my other friend who lived there, like, what a pirate was. She'd just never heard of a pirate. That wasn't a word that was in her vocabulary. Um, but she had, in fact, heard of slavery. Mm-hmm. And she brought this up when Obama was elected president, because she wanted to know if now that black people were running things, they would own us like we used to own them. <laughs> so that was it's an honest question, Alice. You Lexington elitist. My goodness. She goes, "Are they going to make us slaves now? Because you know we used." I hope to, you told her yes. We used to own black people, and I was like, "Well, I didn't." But um, no, I don't. I don't think that that's like on the horizon anytime soon. But elitist. Yeah, no, I'm an elitist, I guess. Wow. She was a nice person, Alice but she didn't know. Marigay, but walking she didn't the know together. about a lot of things, but she. Leave her alone, you misogynist. My point is, no, I mean, I. It's fine. It. The world is full of people who don't know a lot of stuff. It's totally. Wow. It's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But my, I, re, I bring this up just to point out that even though there was, there were a lot of things mm-hmm. that she didn't know, um, she had heard about slavery. Good. Well, there you go. So Abram's wrong. You know, you say to your podcast at one point, racism is harmful to white people. I think white people and some blacks are going, huh? What are you talking about, Willis? Yeah. So I wonder if you could just briefly explain what you mean by that, because you said when racism wins, we all lose. Well, let's just take a... a- Do you know what, what you're talking about, Willis, is from? Um, Some TV show. Right. Uh, was it Facts of Life? I don't know. With Arnold and Willis, it doesn't matter. Current example, we, we of course have, t- have talked about the, the way in which voter suppression policies are disproportionately disenfranchising, you know, black, brown and indigenous people. Mm-hmm. But it's also disenfranchising and making it harder for white people to vote. It's, it's making it harder for all of us to vote, you know, in these states. Well, you Almost give people like a lot to think about, even Kendi. So bravo to you. Thank you so much for joining. Bravo to you. 
It's almost like the policy is not racist. Hmm, this policy, it not only affects black people like they obviously intend for it to do because they're racist, but it also, like, really dumb white people might not be able to get an ID to vote either. So it's, it's, it's almost weirdly, like, the policy's not intended to be based on race. Sir, unfortunate collateral damage in this year's election. Some of the whites couldn't... <laughs> couldn't get handed water that they're at the polls either they passed out and weren't able to vote we just meant for the law to affect black people is that like really what they think the republicans in yes. georgia and texas are doing okay I'll- okay so alice um okay let's get to some other stuff here that's ibram kendi was our today's uh insane person of the day right so, uh, let's see. Uh, we played the Kamala Harris stuff, the insanity with Kamala with Lester Holt, which is really kind of a devastating hit for this administration. Quickly put a button. Okay. Do you have any plans to visit the border? I, at some point, you know, I, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So you, this whole, this whole, this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I mean, I don't, I don't understand the point that you're making. I'm yeah, not... okay. She doesn't understand the point that we're making. So Peter Ducey, of course, asked Jen Psaki about this. Thank you. About the vice president's trip, why is it then uh, that when the vice president is asked if she has plans to visit the border, she says we've been to the border, even though she has not as vice president? Well, as the vice president, she does speak for uh, the actions of the people in the administration. She certainly helps oversee. I expect that sometimes she... Some people in the executive branch have been to the border. Yeah, there's uh, HHS is over yep, there, the CBP border is over there. Yep. yep, they've been there. So but they, Lester that Holt, counts. Lester Holt, Holt wasn't saying, are there people in the administration that have ever been to the border? Because <laughs> I think he knows that there are. He was saying, you're now here in Guatemala. Are you going to go to the border? And she said, we've been to the border. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. But you haven't, right? No, but I haven't been to Europe either, which she probably has. May go to the border, Peter, but as you know, what her focus has been, what the assignment is. Here's the horse bleep. All of you people who love the transparency of Saki, here's a built-in uh, premise that is false. Specifically is to work with leaders in the Northern Triangle. She's on a trip doing exactly that. That is not, that was not the original goal. The original well, yeah. goal is to fix the, the crisis at the border. There wasn't a crisis in Guatemala. There was a crisis in the United States border. Right. It's- and when she was, when Saki was initially asked this because... There was a huge border crisis literally happening that the press was not able to ignore briefly because these pictures were coming out that were so terrible. Um, And Kamala was in charge of the border and was in Chicago spotlighting black-owned bakeries or whatever she was doing. Saki said she was going to go to the border and was like, well, she's allowed to get a snack. She'll go to the border. Gee. But now the narrative has totally changed and it was never the plan for Kamala to go to the border. Who comes up? Crazy Republicans are coming up with this talking point that she's supposed to be at the border. We don't know where she got where they they're getting this. This was never the job. We're not going to do what Republicans want us to do. I'm sorry about. No, absolutely not. So here is the the Democrats media. This is Katie Rogers from The New York Times. Just listen. If you don't think that this media, this respected institutional media is full of bottom-feeding harlots, then you are wrong. Then I just had another on uh, the vice president visiting the border or not visiting the border. Um, Republicans and conservatives are, you know, 
going crazy on Twitter, sending pictures, up. sending video of her interview. Republicans and yeah, the Republicans, you know, and conservatives are just going crazy on Twitter. Is that I'm how just we? Nuts. Just so you know where I am, Jen, and that I'm coming from an allied point of view with you here. I'm mm-hmm. arm in arm with you, but they are making a lot of noise on Twitter, Jen. We have to admit that. So yeah, it- these crazy Republicans like Lester Holt setting her up with these trick questions about the border. It's just crazy. What do you think about them, Jen? Yes. They're just nuts, right? Yep. Geraldo Rivera, who's a open borders kind of guy, is also doing with it. Lester Holt, you know, saying, I'm not, you know, I've not been to Europe either. Um, and I like how she separates herself from them. They're crazy. People are asking you. Crazy Republicans are asking you about the border. You know, they're crazy and they're doing it. Now let's put that over here. Now, can I ask you a question? Does the president think there is a scenario in which she should visit the border and also the mounting criticism from conservatives? Does that Would that ever factor into a decision to, to send her down there? I mean, don't they have a point that if she has this task... In- don't they have a point now? Okay, so the, the Republicans and conservatives and Katie Rogers are going crazy about the border. Mm-hmm. Katie. In front of her, sh- should she not see the... the- the end cause as well as the root cause of, of well, migration. Well, first, as I said to Peter, at some point she may go to the border. I don't have any trips to preview for you. Or- Why would she? She's supposed <laughs> to be working on root causes. Her job is in Guatemala. Yes, in Mexico. And streetlights and the climate and LGBTQ plus issues that are happening there. She right. already told us. Those aren't happening at the border. Those are happening in the root countries. So why would you go there, Jen? Predict or timeline for that. But what I would reiterate is that her assignment was to work with countries and leaders in the Northern Triangle to address root causes, address corruption, uh, ensure we're working together to address humanitarian concerns. I will say we're not taking advice from former President Trump or most of the Republicans who are criticizing us. Right. So there you go. We're not taking advice from the people who had the situation fixed. And I think this trip is a disaster. It is because, you know, why go to Guatemala? You could pick up the phone to the Mexican president and you can say, you know, that trade deal that we have pending or, you, you know, right. those factories on the border. Right. You want, uh, you know, want those trucks to come across as, uh, as freely as they do, the big semis. Then you have to do what you did with Donald Trump when there was the surge of, of, uh, of immigrants in uh, 2019. You've got to play ball. You've got to use the forces at your, uh, the, uh, your command to mitigate this horrible flow that's coming and the and and the, she really uh, has blown it i i mm. i think she can recover she'll she can mature in office but i it, don't think that she can mature in office they, they, she's not anybody she's not anybody she doesn't it, she's not bothered and if i can get to my substack to write today i'm going to write about this i think she's not bothered like we said this about yeah. not knowing the answer she's never she could have prepped an answer for that question. So, Alice, I'm going to give you a personal thing. I was a terrible student in high school. One year in Austin Prep, I, if I didn't graduate, no, if I didn't, if I wasn't last in my class that year, I was damn close. I didn't do any work. I didn't like doing homework. I didn't like algebra. I didn't like almost anything in in. And part of your life philosophy is to never do anything you don't enjoy right now. Correct. Exactly. And anything you do enjoy, do it now and in bulk. <laughs> so, so, so. Explains a lot. So it does, yeah. <laughs> so one day I remember we had this huge, te- it was algebra or something, test mm-hmm. um, that was coming. It was coming, let's say this was, it was December or whatever. It was, the test was tomorrow. I hadn't studied or done anything. 
or or maybe I, I had to I owed them a whole bunch of uh exercises that I hadn't done, math exercises or whatever. I hadn't done anything at all. And I thought, oh my God, if I go in tomorrow without this stuff for them, then I'm going to fail. And it's going to be like, they will be shocked that I didn't bother doing anything. They gave me so much time to make all this stuff up, but I was absent all the time because I hated school. And in that, and I said, please, God, snow. Have it snow so the school gets canceled. Please have it snow so the school gets canceled. I can remember being in the basement of my house with my with my rebel room in my basement. <laughs> and it being snowed. I thought, now I have all day to do this stuff. You know, and a whole extra snow day to do all the assignments that I had to do. And of course, I didn't do a damn thing. I just put it off, 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 put it off. Then too late the next day, bang, I walk in there. <laughs> you know, and I, I just, I didn't have it, the sense or the, really the compulsion to do it, even though it would have been ostensibly the thing to do with the extra given day you had now, the yeah, lifeline. It makes me think, you know how you spend a lot of time being mad at God? Yes. Um, it makes me think that maybe sometimes the problem isn't God, because God came through for you with the snow day. No, there are systemic factors to why I'm this uh-huh. way, Alice, and we'll go to, uh, to that <laughs> one on the other side here. Uh, when we in the after party, but anyway, that's that's Kamala, you know. Doesn't yeah. matter. She she has the chance. She has a chance that after she just had a pie thrown in her face, self by her own self, <laughs> yesterday in this horribly embarrassing answer. I haven't been to Europe. Huh? She could right now study and have an answer for when the next person asks her because they're going to. It's the only thing to ask her. She could also just go to the border. Right. Well, she can't do that because she doesn't want to get dirty from the border optics. And Well, she could try and solve the problems that are there. She can't do that, Alice. She doesn't have a skill set. She doesn't have a skill set. She doesn't. It's just fine. I thought she was a cop. I thought... No. Being the the law in town was like her thing. Come on, Kamala. Enforce the border. So she's not going to have an answer next time either. It's remarkable. She's so she's lazier than Tom with his free snow day. It's incredible. But that's just how it is. And so you've got all these Kamala supporters having to try to prop her up and say, no, I mean, she's an extremely astute, incredible resume of this and that. No, there's just nothing to her. All right. Before we go uh, to the after party, Alice, I'm going to uh, play this one TikTok thing, okay? We're not going to do the dad at the school committee meeting? I, I didn't really get that. I, okay, well, that's okay. Well, well, we can do it t- The school tomorrow. board member threatened to fight a dad who... Yeah, I mean, I can meeting. play the... I have... I did get it. I have the the, uh, the the sound. Versus the current path they're headed down. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Mr. Grani. So the, the the people are mad that they're teaching critical race theory. The school board members are laughing, saying that concludes it. See you later, punks. It's the special um, the visitor speaking time. So I'll turn it over to superintendent's report. Be respectful. That's the crowd. The parents saying be respectful. And one of the school board members says, you don't get to talk to me like that F you. You're elected representative to represent us. This isn't about you, Mark. You're not going to stand up. But then the guy does go up there. And then they have to hold the school board member back from jumping on the parent that he just called an a-hole. Right, exactly. So that's... So there you go. 
That's what I'm saying. There you go. There's your uh, school board uh, yep. public servant. For you. There. That's in uh, New York. Yes. The school board in New York. It's, uh, that's their tax out. dollars at work. That's great. I'll give you a few seconds of the TikTok wokester idiots. What we were just talking about today, saying they speak this language and they pile on top of each other. First, you hear one voice saying, uh, you're a nativist or whatever, and then one person says, you can't call me that, and then the know-it-all comes to hit cleanup to tell them that the, the second person that she's wrong. Decolonizer. It's not okay is to protect... Colonizer, this guy says. Then this girl says, it's not okay to call me that. Protect your anger onto people who want to be allies. Then don't be an ally. Girl, your attitude is the definition of a white savior complex. If your allyship is so dependent on the fact that he and his people do not hurt your feelings, your commitment to his movement is not that strong to begin with. Listen, here's the thing about being an ally. The number one job... God dang it, they love to tell you, love to lecture. (laughs) I'm talking, you listen... I have all the information. I have nothing to learn. You have everything to learn. You are an empty vessel. I know it all. I know everything about all this stuff. You have as one is to defer to people with marginalized identities that you want to be an ally to. How his movement makes you feel does not matter. He doesn't have space for that. He doesn't have to make space for that. (laughs) He doesn't have space. Spaces. Make space for that. God, you psycho, please. This has been the Burn Barrel Podcast. You can join us for a little bit of extra Burn Barrel Podcast over on Patreon, where there is going to be an extra after party to the show. Um, you can sign up for that at patreon.com slash burn barrel. We're on Twitter, Burn Barrel Pod, Facebook.com slash burn barrel podcast, burn barrel podcast at gmail.com, burn barrel podcast.com. You can sense the trend. We're also on YouTube, all the places. Follow us, like, um, but yeah, head on to, over to Patreon. If you're a subscriber over there, you'll be able to check out this next little extra bit of show. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.